A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. There's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but I think no. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are God by faith in His Son. Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 3.17, that's the whole... Victory in the name which is above every name. No exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme... Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Master's Dog, episode 91. I'm your host, Norm, the Master's Dog Dunham, a.k.a. the Evangelical Norm. So the Master's Dog is a podcast where I deal with false teachers, false teachings, heresies, and all that good stuff uh, across the board from a Christian worldview started out uh, as a podcast called Faith and Beliefs Refuted uh, about a year or so ago, two years ago maybe. The uh, One of the guys from Saints Unscripted, which is formerly known as the Three Mormons podcast, started a segment of their podcast called Faith and Beliefs, where he initially started breaking down the 13 articles of faith of the LDS Church, starting with number 11 and then went through the other 12. And as I saw that happen, I said, I want to respond to these things and show how they do not line up with Orthodox biblical Christianity. And then they continued on with that uh, podcast, uh, doing other issues of Mormon theology and doctrine. And so I said I committed to responding to every single one of those episodes, which 
I have done to this day. But let, as the, and it, so I called it Faith and Beliefs Refuted. As time went on, I really wanted to get into dealing with other false teachers as well, uh, Christian heretics, uh, secular humanists, atheists, and and so on. So that's when it became a bigger thing and when I changed the name to The Master's Dog based off of the John Calvin quote at the beginning of the introduction video. So all that being said, that's just a little bit of a introduction and background on the podcast for those who may be new and joining us. Uh, if you are new and, uh, and you like what you're hearing, uh, hit that subscribe button. If we're over on YouTube, hit the subscription button, uh, hit the notification bell, give the video a like because that helps all the algorithms and stuff like that and more people get to uh, find my podcast in, in that ways. Uh, you can check me out. I'm over. Everything gets posted over on Gab TV if you're looking for that free speech uh, set up where you can not worried about being shut down by YouTube or Facebook or Twitter or any of those other groups. You can uh, go over to Gab TV and find my channel there. All the same stuff, uh, uh, all the same content that goes up on YouTube is going up there. And also you can get all these podcasts in the audio form. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Amazon Music, anywhere where you get your audio podcast. You can find my stuff there. Just look for The Evangelical Norm or Norm Dunham, wherever you get your audio podcast, and you'll get all the same content as well. So all that being said, we are back to uh, dealing with our friends over at Saints Unscripted. David, this week in Faith and Beliefs, is talking about, again, it's one of those things where they bring it up. It's almost... I wouldn't call it a straw man argument because it's not really a ridiculous setup, but it is in the sense that this is not something that we as apologists or evangelists deal with on a regular basis. This one might hit a little bit closer, especially on apologetics, uh, talking about how Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon, how he came up with, with what he presented to the world as supposedly scripture. And, uh, but this is not something that's going to come up often in an evangelistic uh, conversation. It will come up more than some of the other things that we've talked about over the last three months, uh, but still not something that I would bring up personally. It may come up from an LDS person might get to this point at some point in time as they're trying to redirect conversation away from the gospel to you know what they think is evidences of the, the validity of the LDS church. So this is a little more uh, of an important topic, but still not something that I would look at and go, well, it's an absolute, uh, you know, it, it's either going to be a convincing or a uh, or something that, that leads people away completely from the church. But so today he's going to talk about how Joseph, uh, one of the, the theories on how Joseph Smith uh, translated the Book of Mormon. So. All that being said, we are going to go ahead and let David tell us about Joseph Smith and the dictation or lack thereof of the Book of Mormon. Hey guys, so Latter-day Saints believe that the Book of Mormon is scripture translated by Joseph Smith through the gift and power of God. As I've mentioned many times before, the Book of Mormon is known as the keystone of our religion. Thus, it has been in the crosshairs of skeptics for almost 200 years now, and we've done several episodes addressing the different theories people have come up with about where or how Joseph could have fraudulently crafted the story of the Book of Mormon all on his own. 
I don't think the available evidence favors any of those theories, but even if we are to play devil's advocate and assume that Joseph did make the whole thing up, we still have tough questions to answer. There are so many questions and answers that somehow seem wrong. For example, the evidence does not suggest that Joseph's scribes were in on an intricate conspiracy. So, if Joseph was a fraud, how did he manage to pull the wool over their eyes in the moment of dictation? Is it possible that Joseph had memorized or was reading from a secret pre-written manuscript he'd crafted over the last several years? Let's take a look. All right, so here's the deal. There's no evidence to suggest that Joseph had any sort of pre-written secret manuscript available to him as he dictated the translation of the Book of Mormon. In fact, those who were familiar with the process affirmed that he did not have any reference material. In 1881, an article from the Chicago Times reported that Mr. David Whitmer emphatically asserts, as did Martin Harris and Oliver Cowdery, that while Smith was dictating the translation, he had no manuscript notes or other means of knowledge save the seer stone. As so the question would be at this point, the question comes, then why did we need golden plates? Because here's the reality. As a former Mormon, Growing up in it, I was always taught that he was reading off the plates. I didn't know about this seer stone in a hat thing until I was well into my early 20s, and which would have been the late 90s um, to early 2000s. So for years, I'd never heard of this. This was not taught in the Mormon church. Again, for years, the deception was that Joseph Smith read off of the plates and then God helped him translate with the Urim and Thummim and so on. All the pictures we saw was Joseph with the plates there. And then it became, oh, well, he was looking at the stone in the hat, but the plates were there and they were covered. And then there were, the stories came out that sometimes the plates were never even there. Here's my question. Why would they need to emphatically assert that there was no manuscript notes or anything else? Again, why... The, it, to me, it, it, we come back to this thing that methinks thou dost, thou dost protest too much. So I would actually, I would think my theory is, even though there's no evidence to support it, I mean, there's no evidence to support the Book of Mormon as a real book of scripture. There's really no evidence. There's no, I mean, no archaeological evidence, no historical evidence. There's no bibliographical evidence. Um, there's no manuscript evidence. You know, the, the plates were taken away. We can't even look at those things. You know, we have to count on the, the witnesses that are listed and so on. And then we have to, you have to make the stretch to accept the story that the angel came and take the, took the plates back so that they can't be seen or looked at by anybody else. You have to buy into that story. That's a stretch in and of itself. I mean, really, if, if anybody came to me, again, my question is, is in all this to the, my Mormon friends, is why won't you go read the book of Jeronek by Matthew Gill and pray about it? He supposedly translated this by the power of God and the Holy Spirit and, and, and blah, 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 and with the manuscripts that no longer exists and, and all these things. 
but you're not going to go look at that. You're not giving that any credence, but you're asking me to give this credence. As you know, the seer stone was the revelatory tool through which God allowed Joseph to translate the Book of Mormon. As you know, nobody knew this. This was not anything that I was taught as an LDS person. It wasn't until the advent of the internet and when all this stuff started coming out that the church had to, to come back and, and come up with a way to go, oh, well, yeah, this is really kind of how Joe did it. And he put his the stone in a hat and his face in the hat and, and, and read this stuff off of the and blah, 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 blah. Again, to say, as you know, I mean, now people know this was not anything that I was told as a, a child or a teenager growing up in the church. This was all, and, and when you heard it, it was, it was passed off as being false, anti-Mormon propaganda. Whitmer described the process as follows. Joseph Smith would put the seer stone into a hat and put his face in the hat, drawing it close around his face to exclude the light, and in the darkness the spiritual light would shine. If this is a foreign con If your child came to you and said, here, let me, I'm going to put my, I'm, that's not a hat. That's not a hat. Yeah, okay, we're, we're going to, I'm going to take my rock and I'm going to put it in my ruffles bag and I'm going to put this in here and I'm going to, the this is how I'm going to write scripture. That's how you're going to write scripture? Where else do we see anything even remotely like that as a, a source of scripture? Bible? No. The Bible was written by men, books that were written down. And then we have other men who had copies of those manuscripts and copies of those manuscripts and, and, and you know, meticulously copied scrolls that that had you know very stringent guidelines of how this was done and so on from the old testament and then we have thousands upon thousands of the the new testament uh manuscripts partials and and complete manuscripts of of the different books from the new testament we have all these things that we can take and we can look at nowhere else do you find scripture translated or created by somebody taking and putting their face, a rock in, in a hat and their face in there and reading off. It, it sounds ridiculous. And it is ridiculous. Concept to you, check out the videos we've done specifically on seer stones. But and you can check out the videos I've done in relation to those as well. As weird as it may sound, it does have implications for our question. Because having your face in a dark hat sure would make it difficult to read from any kind of notes or pre-written manuscript. Ah, your support is well seen. Joseph's wife Emma said in a later interview, I frequently wrote day by day, often sitting at the table close by him, he sitting with his face buried in his hat with the stone in it, and dictating hour after hour with nothing between us. He had neither manuscript nor book to read from. If he had had anything of the kind, he could not have concealed it from me. Again, why the, 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 why the explanations of this? Why, why, you know, again, it, it just, me thinks that does protest too much. And this has never been anything that I thought of. Joseph Smith was a storyteller. 
So he didn't need a manuscript. And yeah, the, the plagiarized portions of the Bible and Isaiah. But Joseph Smith was, was not a dumb man. He was, he was an educated person. He had te- his parents were teachers. He did have an education from them. He may not have had the formal education that people would expect, but he did have an education. He was a smart guy, and obviously he was a grand storyteller. We, we see that in his mother's writings and others, and he also was obviously was able to memorize uh, scripture. So the whole plagiarized portion of Isaiah and so on could have easily been memorized and recited. I mean, I know people who have entire books of the Bible memorized um, and, and performed them. So the, it's not a far-fetched idea that Joseph Smith plagiarized the, book, the, the Bible, Isaiah and so on, because he memorized them. And then incorporated them into the story that he was telling. So you don't need a manuscript to make up a story. I can, I can make up. My wife is amazing at making up stories for my daughter, and doesn't need a manuscript to to tell those stories over and over again. And when returning after meals or after interruptions, he could at once begin where he had left off without either seeing the manuscript or having any portion of it read to him. This was a usual thing for him to do. It would have been improbable that a learned man could do this, and for one so ignorant and unlearned as he was, it was simply impossible. Okay, and again, he wasn't ignorant and unlearned. He was, he was a smart guy, obviously. He was a con man. I mean, how do con men con people nowadays? The same way Joseph did it back in his day. It's not, it's not a far-fetched idea that this guy conned everybody involved, including wife and friends and so on. And there's no, it's not a far-fetched thought that some of these people were co-conspirators, as you say, especially when you have these kind of writings to go, oh, well, yeah, you know, it's, well, we have to have the, the sworn testimony of these guys where they saw the angel and he showed them the plates and blah, blah, blah. We have to get this because we know we're not going to be able to, to present the plates. And then, as we get into this other stuff, now we have to have these other people making it very, let me make it, let me be clear. It sounds politician-like. Let me be clear. Joseph did not have any of these things when he wrote these things down. It just doesn't make sense to me. But if Joseph did have a pre-written manuscript, he would have had to fool more than just his scribes. Joseph didn't have his own room growing up in the tiny Smith home. How did nobody in his family notice him studiously scribbling away for months on end? Where did he get the paper to write on? Who paid for it? How did he keep the manuscript a secret all those years? But let's table those and get back to the dictation. Some people believe that perhaps Joseph did not have his secret manuscript present during the dictation, but instead he tediously memorized chunks of it at a time, which he then repeated to the scribe. First of all, this isn't a new theory. Ha! Never heard that one before. On one occasion, Martin Harris swapped out Joseph's seer stone for another similar-looking stone. When Joseph sat down to dictate, he said, Martin, what's the matter? All is as dark as Egypt. Martin's countenance betrayed him, and the prophet asked Martin why he had done so. Martin said, to stop the mouths of fools who had told him that the prophet had learned those sentences and was merely repeating them. Okay. We, we've seen things about Joseph. I can't imagine that Joseph didn't know that his stone had been replaced. 
I mean, again, this is this is all part of the con, right? Joseph was, I mean, th these stones were very important and very special and very precise to him. And he, you know, he talked about, wrote about them and, and stuff like that. So the fact that Martin switched them, again, it all falls into, the, this mean, this seems to me even more like uh, there's a co-conspiracy going on between these men going, okay, well, I'm going to write that I changed this out so people will, no. I mean, it does. It doesn't make any. The entire story, in and of itself, doesn't make sense. Putting a rock in a hat and reading words off of a rock makes no sense, none, whatsoever. So to say, oh, someone changed it out and he couldn't read anything off of it. Oh well, that, that uh, let me let me join up again and and put you know all this foolishness to the side. No, it's still ridiculous. Yeah. You would think that if the stone was just for show, Joseph would have continued to repeat his memorized pages as if nothing had changed. But he doesn't. The evidence also suggests that Joseph was not familiar with the material he dictated. Emma said, when my husband was translating the Book of Mormon, I wrote a part of it as he dictated each sentence word for word. And when he came to proper names he could not pronounce or long words, he spelled them out. Even the word Sarah, or probably Sariah, he could not pronounce at first, but had to spell it, and I would pronounce it for him. This would be awfully strange for Joseph to do if he was the person who wrote the book in the first place. It's also worth noting that there's no evidence suggesting that Joseph had a photographic memory. And on a personal note, as a former speech and debate club nerd who used to regularly memorize speeches word for word, memorizing, even in chunks, a 531-page book and then banking on being able to perfectly recite it back to a scribe would have been extremely difficult, time-consuming, and, in my opinion, unnecessarily risky. What's the matter? Come on, man, it's emergency! You gotta learn how to talk Portuguese on the way over there! If he had already gone to the... So, now, again, he didn't... He didn't dictate it perfectly, did he? Did he? There's been thousands of changes, more than just grammatical, to the Book of Mormon over the years. Um, so it wasn't the most correct book of any book that was ever presented to man or whatever, however Joseph Smith made that out. There were a lot of changes that have been made to it and and beyond grammatical errors. And, and to, to make it, to try to claim that they're just grammatical errors is intellectually dishonest. You can look up, you can find uh, Gerald and Sander Tanner's book, The 3,913 Changes to the Book of Mormon, and look at the photocopied original to the changes and see exactly what all has been changed in that book. So he obviously didn't uh, give it perfectly and so on. And again, all of this sounds like it's just part of the con. The trouble of writing an entire manuscript, he could have just said, look, here it is, uh, look what God inspired me to write. But he doesn't. And for goodness sake, if you're planning on memorizing the entire thing just so people think you're a prophet, you don't need to write 531 pages. Just stop after first or second Nephi and you'd be fine. But no, instead we get this beautifully complex and detailed volume of scripture. My personal belief is that Joseph was telling the truth about the Book of Mormon. I see no reason to believe this 23-year-old farm boy with a third-grade frontier education with no prior authorship experience could have written the Book of Mormon and then dictated it at such a rapid pace with no significant revisions from memory on his first try. Thousands of significant revisions have been made.
But of course, people can and do come to different conclusions on this. And whether you agree with me or not, I trust that you're making the best spiritual decisions for your life that you can. If you have questions, shoot us a message on one of our social channels. Check out the links in the description for more info on this topic. And have a great day. All right. So there you go. Um, and and this is this is always how they end these these things. Well, you whether you agree with me or not, I you know it, it's all no, David. It there is significant doctrinal issues here, and there are significant salvific issues here, because the thing is, David, and my Mormon friend who is watching, if this is all false, if this is the the product of a a conniving con man plagiarizing and and manipulating people to believing this story this false gospel presented by a false prophet following after a false christ and a false god then you are following after a false religion and there is no salvation in it and i, I i've always hated pascal's wager but the reality is it comes down to this my mormon friend if you are wrong on this and Joseph Smith was the con man that I present to you that he was looking translating scripture from a rock in a hat again where else do you see that where what other time has God used that kind of method to present his word he never has and actually warns against that of sorcery and and things like that in the Old Testament but if Joseph has presented this falsely to you, this false gospel, then you are literally destined for hell. Because that's what the Bible says, that those who do not believe are condemned already. Those who are following after false Christ, there will be those who believe that they are Christians, who will come to Jesus on the last day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? And he'll say to them, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. If what I am telling you is true, and Joseph Smith falsified that, that is going to be where you find yourself standing in the last days. The reality is, is if I'm wrong, and all this is true, then I'm already guaranteed one level of heaven or another, according to LDS theology. Well, personally, not me, because I've held and renounced the, the, uh, Mormon priesthood so I get to go to outer darkness with Satan and the demons but everybody else every other mass murderer uh, you know child molester uh, Nazi soldier blah 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 with no repentance whatsoever gets to go to one level of heaven or another do you see the, the conundrum that is sitting here and again I hate Pascal's wager but it fits this situation and I would tell you that Joseph Smith is a fraud. He was a false prophet. He was a con man who convinced a whole lot of people the same way that Muhammad convinced a whole lot of people. And, you know, the pro, uh, proprietors of Buddhism and Hinduism and all these people have misled tons of people who now genuinely believe in a lie. And are lost because of it. And I would tell you that you need to run and get in, find a good Bible teaching Christian church and get involved there and learn the realities of what the gospel truly is. And my Christian friend, as always, preach the gospel at all times, use words because they're necessary. And
Excuse me. Until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm-hmm.